This afternoon I preach to you the gospel, salvation, as the church confesses it in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 16, question and answers 40 to 43. Here the church confesses, why was it necessary for Christ to humble himself even unto death? Because of the justice and truth of God, satisfaction for our sins could be made in no other way than by the death of the Son of God. Why was he buried? His burial testified that he had really died. Since Christ has died for us, why do we still have to die? Our death is not a payment for our sins, but it puts an end to sin and is an entrance into eternal life. What further benefit do we receive from Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross? Through Christ's death, our old nature is crucified, put to death, and buried with him, so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer reign in us, but that we may offer ourselves to him as a sacrifice of thankfulness. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the seed that hangs off of a living plant contains the beginnings of a new plant within the protective covering. As long as the seed is alive and is still a part of the living plant, the seed retains its shape and form, and the little plant embryo inside remains dormant and does not start to grow. However, when the seed separates from the plant and falls onto the ground, the protective covering of the seed is no longer needed, and it breaks apart to allow the new life to push through. And after the new shoot has pushed its way out, we don't call it a seed anymore, but we call it a plant. In this way, the seed dies and ceases to exist so that the new plant can grow up and then produce more fruit and more seeds. But if you watch your garden closely after you've thrown the seed on the ground, you will notice that some seeds just stay in the shape of a seed. They never become the source of new life and never can be called plants. These duds rot or they dry up while they are still in seed form. And though they might manage to remain seeds until their death, they have a fruitless existence that ends when they return to the dirt or they are blown away in the wind. This is the illustration that our Lord Jesus used to help explain to the world why it was necessary for him to die. He told the people that he was like a seed and that if he wanted to see his offspring as Isaiah 53 verse 11 prophesied and if he was to bear abundant fruit, he would need to face death. The important thing for us to realize is that when Jesus spoke about the fruit coming from the seed that had died, 
he is talking about us. He is the seed that had to die so that he might bring new life. And whoever believes in him is the fruit that God himself harvests to bring into his eternal kingdom. And I preach you the gospel under this theme, Christ died so that we might live with him. You saw that in the display text too as you walked in, Romans 6 verse 8, we died with him so we might live with him. And we'll see first the seed, the capital S, Christ, that died, and secondly the fruit that follows. If you look at the questions in our confession, Lord's Day's uh, Lord's Day 16, question and answer 40, and question and answer 41. You can see those were the exact questions that were on the minds of all Jesus' disciples as he made his way into Jerusalem on that young donkey where the Jews were threatening to kill him just as he had prophesied they would. And as we read along in the Gospels, we ask, why was it necessary for the Son of God to humble himself even unto death? Why did the author of life, who had gained access to eternal life, why did he need to be buried? Why couldn't he just be king right there and then, without ever dying? Well, in our text, the Lord Jesus answers these questions. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus teaches his disciples that if he would not die, he would remain alone. And his incarnation, his coming into the flesh, would have no benefit for others. The whole world that was coming after him and his friends in Bethany and the crowd that joined him from Bethany up to Jerusalem and the other crowd that came to meet him and the Pharisees that scorned him and the Greeks who had shown interest in him were not served by a living Jesus. The living seed that remains alone cannot bear any fruit. It would have been, says our Lord Jesus, selfish and short-sighted for his friends and his disciples to wish that he should stay alive. Our Lord Jesus knew that he took on our human nature in his birth so that he might die. And through death, as we read in Hebrews 2, destroy the one who has the power of death and rescue or deliver all those who were in slavery to death. The Lord Jesus knew that the seed needed to die so that it might bear fruit in the plans of the Almighty God. He knew this, and yet he, he continued, and so he showed his love to us for the whole world. Says John in chapter 3 was under the curse and under the condemnation of God for their rebellion and their sins. The Holy God was poised to destroy mankind to satisfy his justice. So in his mercy and his love for the world, he sent his only begotten son to die in the place 
of everyone who believes in him. That's the gospel, John 3, verse 16. Jesus was sent for this very purpose. Jesus wanted to come for this very purpose. He was the substitute who could help us. He knew that he was the seed that had to die in order to bring much fruit. It's like we confess. Because of the justice and truth of God, satisfaction for our sins could be made in no other way than by the death of the Son of God. There was no other way because there was no other mediator. There was no other mediator, true God and true man. Well, it would be a, a day or two before Jesus would celebrate the last Passover meal with his disciples. And though we may have been tempted to receive the adoring crowds of Jews at the triumphal entry, and the Greeks alongside with them as a, as a pretty big harvest, Jesus wanted the full harvest. He had not come to be king over an unfaithful group of dying subjects who would remain in their sins. He was not looking for superficial praise from Jews who didn't understand and Greeks here on the earth but he came to gather in a harvest of adoring saints from tribes and nations, offering up eternal, heartfelt praise in the throne room of his almighty God. His plans, already at that point, included you today who praise him so sincerely. The Father, the Lord Jesus says in John 4, the Father is seeking people who worship him in spirit and in truth. And he sent his son for, for this very hour in order to bring worshipers, all his worshipers, into a life of praise with him. And so he willingly came to die. And as the Holy Spirit reveals the gospel to the church through his servant John, he pays a lot of attention to the scientific reality of Jesus' death. And he assures us even today many times that his testimony is true, just as he's describing the burial of our Lord Jesus in John 19, verse 35. He says, this testimony is true. You, you need to know this. If you want to have any hope of new life in Jesus Christ, you need to be certain that he did die. Jesus' death was not just a symbolic death limited to the anointing oil that Mary had poured out upon him, but his side, his physical body, his side was really pierced by the soldier's spear. His body was taken down from the cross by his friends. His corpse was wrapped up in linen and uh, linen cloths and 75 pounds of spices that hardened around him. And the grave was sealed. John says it's true he was buried. He had died. His burial testified that Jesus had really died. The seed had died. Jesus Christ had 
completely satisfied the justice of God. It was as was prophesied, and now we know that we have hope of escaping the wrath, the justice of God. We are able to again be received into favor. His burial is a comfort for us. We can look at it and say, Jesus, the seed, really died. And that's a guarantee for us that we have new life. We can bear much fruit. The illustration that our Lord Jesus Christ used includes a natural connection between the seed that falls into the ground and dies and the plant that springs up and bears much fruit. In our lives, we can see a similar connection between the Lord and everyone who believes in him. The fruit of his work are all those who are grafted into him by true faith and share in the benefits of his sacrifice and death on the cross. The gospel is that whoever believes in Jesus Christ is that new sprout of life and never has to worry about dying as a punishment for our sins again. Just like a, a new plant springing up from the seed, it does not need to return to seed form again to die. So also the Lord Jesus once for all death on the cross is sufficient and efficient for us. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ never has to be punished for their sins again. Whoever hides themselves in Christ's righteousness by true faith has already been declared innocent before the Father. We can pray to him and we do not need to fear an angry God for the anger has been poured out on his son who died. And so the Christian life is all about living on the other side of death, on the other side of punishment, where the devil no longer has a single accusation that he can bring against us. The devil has no dominion. Our sinful nature is put to death. Our Lord Jesus describes what Christians who are the fruit of his death are like. And he tells us what we look like in John 12, verses 25 to 26. When you look at that, you can see in John 12, verse 25, that the Lord Jesus makes a contrast between those who love their lives in this world and those who are the fruit of his death, those who hate their lives. If we want to know precisely what our Lord Jesus means, we need to go and look at verse 26. Verse 26, he says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And so when you put these two verses together, we can see that loving your life, the loving your life of verse 25, means not loving Jesus Christ. And the hating your life of verse 25 combines with serving and following Jesus Christ, even if it can lead to personal discomfort or even death. 
People who love their lives are very concerned about their own experiences in this life, very self-focused. They focus all their attention on their own personal comforts. That's what their life is all about. They live to serve themselves. They live for the moment and pay little attention to their death and what will happen after that day, after the day of their death. They, they need to read Ecclesiastes 12. Their sinful nature controls their lives with such vigor that it really is the king in their lives. Their sinful nature is, is the one who's reigning. Since we all have sinful natures, we easily can see how sinful natures, how evil desires can control our lives, how they can change perspectives, how they can lead people to persist in sin and even chain themselves to the grave. By nature, we love our lives. We love personal comforts. And the only difference between those who follow Jesus Christ and those who don't follow them, him is that by the grace of God, Christians no longer are enslaved by their fear of death. Hebrews 2, verse 14. The benefit we receive from believing in Christ's sacrifice and his death on the cross is what we confess in answer 43, that through Christ's death, our old nature is crucified, put to death, and buried with him, so that the evil desires of our flesh may no longer reign in us, but that we may offer ourselves to him as a sacrifice of thankfulness. When God works faith in our hearts, when he unites us to our head, to Jesus Christ, he works in our hearts in such a way that we see that we begin to have new desires, not always evil desires, but a desire to walk with God. The Lord tells you that when you believe in Jesus Christ, you have been transferred from death into life, and you will begin to die to yourself so that Christ will reign in you more and more. Our Lord Jesus presents this change of heart as a benefit that God works in the hearts of those who believe in him because of his grace. It's not something that we have to do. It's not a work that we have to perform in order to be saved. It's something we can observe in ourselves, this, this fight against our sinful nature. Since we are given life in Christ by grace, and we taste this life. He then calls us, live a life worthy of all that Christ has obtained for you by his death. The worthy life, we confess, is called a sacrifice of thankfulness, which is another way of speaking or describing what Jesus calls hating our own life. The word hate in Scripture means that we love less. And in this context, it means loving our own comforts less than we love to obey and follow 
God's will. By God's grace, we want to offer our whole life to him as a sacrifice of thankfulness, being willing to give up things that might make our life more comfortable in order that we might follow Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus says that many times, to take up your cross and follow him. In the form for baptism this morning, we read of, of being buried with him into death so that we might be raised up to new life. Our death is an entrance into eternal life, we confess. It's proceeded by the shedding off of every weight and sin that entangles in this life. The transition from seed to new plant includes a dying with Christ alongside the springing up of new life. It can be hard to take out an eye that causes us to sin, if you refer to what our Lord Jesus urged his disciples. It can be difficult to give up comforts that our sinful nature within us still actually really desires. However, our Lord encourages us in this painful transformation by pointing us to the glorious results of the work of God within our hearts. The end of the cocoon means the life of the butterfly. The cracking of the egg, the breaking apart of the egg means the life of the little bird. The death of the seed means the new life of the plant. He who loves his life more than God will also lose his life. But he who loves God more than his own life will also have eternal life. For when we are united to Christ by faith, serving and following him, he says we will always be where he is. We will always be a part of his victorious body that has overcome death. And when he receives honor from his Father, so will we. And brothers and sisters, we see very clearly that we don't need that old and sinful nature anymore. We are a new creation. We are a new life. Christ has died that we might have this new life. We don't need the chains of those evil desires of our flesh to be a joyful and to be a happy person. And so we confess that we want to leave it there on the cross. We want to leave those evil desires of our sinful nature hanging dead under God's punishment, dead when Christ was crucified, already paid for in his death. We have been set free from the reign, the dominion, the power of sin in this life. We have been raised with Christ to new life. The seed has died so that you might have this new life. We are the fruit of his death. And as we, we walk out of 
here, we, we, we think of what that means. We, we see that our lives are permeated with the desires of the author of life, the desire to live with God in peace. And he honors those, says our Lord Jesus. He honors those who do not shrink from death in order to follow Jesus Christ. And even as we suffer because of our faith, he reminds us of our confession, Christ's death under the wrath of God was payment for our sins. There is no punishment left for those who believe in Jesus Christ. Our death is simply an entrance into eternal life. And as we sing, we will see with joy profound how the grave must serve as portal, that's a, a doorway, leading past all woe and strife into everlasting life. Amen. We'll sing this in hymn 16.